1: This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
2: Hi, and welcome to SpyCast, from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C., I'm Dr. Andrew Hammond, the museum's historian and curator. Every week, SpyCast brings you interesting conversations from authors, scholars and practitioners who live in the world of global espionage. If you have any questions, comments or concerns about SpyCast or if you want to suggest someone who might be a good future guest email us at spycast at spymuseum.org Also, if you like what you hear, and even if you don't, please take a minute to review us on iTunes and whatever platform you might be listening from. We're always looking for ways to make SpyCast better, and you can help. Welcome to this week's edition of SpyCast. Shadow Wars, Israel, Iran, and America. This is the second in a two-part series where we look at the history of Israeli intelligence. So last week we took a deep dive into some of the backstory of Israeli intelligence. We looked at the period between 1948 and 2012. This week we're walking the story up to the present day, and I mean the present day. So we're looking at the recent assassination of the Iranian nuclear scientist, Mosin Fakhrizadeh. We're looking at the transition from Trump to Biden, and we're going to consider some of the underlying dynamics that are shaping the world of Israeli intelligence. For this week's episode, I'm joined by Yossi Melman. He's an Israeli journalist who works for Haaretz. He was formerly at the Jerusalem Post, but he recently returned to Harris. He was a historical advisor on the Netflix series Inside the Mossad. So if anyone's not seen it yet, I would strongly recommend it. And it was him that persuaded many Mossad members to speak. I'm also joined by Dan Raviv. So Dan's a native New Yorker and he was with CBS News for over 40 years. He was the Tel Aviv and London Bureau's, and latterly the National Correspondent for CBS. So these two gentlemen have authored a number of books together, including Every Spy a Prince, A Complete History of Israel's Intelligence Community, and Spies Against Armageddon, Inside Israel's Secret Wars. I hope you enjoy this week's episode as much as I enjoyed speaking to yossi and dan so i wondered if we could start off with um the recent death of mosin fakrizade um yeah uh, any thoughts gentlemen
3: well i assume it was uh, a Mossad operation uh, although israel hasn't taken any claim and responsibility for it And when when we say Mossad operation, it's always, always, there is a myth that the Mossad is is everything, but basically it's a joint project, joint venture, joint operation of military intelligence, which is the biggest, largest, and the most important in the country, responsible for running agents, research above all, and Unit 8200, which is equivalent to the US NSA. So it was a joint operation. I assume it, it took them many, many years and it, it certainly months uh, to to pursue the, uh, the guy. He was wanted by the Mossad. He was well known to many intelligence organizations around the globe, CIA, German, BND, French, British, MI6, and so on. He was the architect of their military nuclear program, which was secret, hidden. Um, I think there was an attempt on his life once in the past, at least once in the past, although he was highly wanted and um, i recently i believe that it was a, it was the question it was the uh, junction of good intelligence precise accurate information uh, operational feasibility and then came the question of timing which we can later uh, relate to whether it was wise to do it before the before joe biden enters the white house
0: I of course was reminded as as an American, the American member of this writing team, um, of, of what President Donald Trump had decided to do. Uh, and uh, and that was uh, the uh, assassination of General Soleimani, who was uh, by far the most important Iranian organizer of Iran's activities. Uh, all around the world, especially in the Middle East. He was frequently in Syria in the years of the civil war there, uh, the uh, architect of uh, of supporting the uh, Hezbollah uh, political and terrorist group of Shiite Muslims in, in, in Lebanon. Um, and and uh, the United States, uh, well, at least uh, President Trump had, had had it with Soleimani and his activities and, and decided to send a message. Uh, In this case, uh, apparently, U.S. drone aircraft um, uh, killed Soleimani by firing missiles uh, in Baghdad, Iraq, just after Soleimani arrived there on on a trip. Uh, And and so it's the matter of the decision, of course, but what I'm thinking about in terms of the spy game is um, if a leader of a country wants options, whether it's uh, Trump, as president of the United States or Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister of Israel, um, and the option to, to strike at your enemy, maybe by assassinating someone uh, who is a senior, uh, you'd expect your intelligence agencies to follow that man, to follow the possible target. Uh, and, and so certainly when Soleimani was killed by the Americans um, and now Fakhri Zadeh uh, killed probably by the Israelis, uh, you sort of realize that there are targets being followed probably constantly and maybe they lose sight of the target and then there's an opportunity because they know that he's traveling or he's in a certain place and and uh, and then it's really just up to the decision-making process whether to kill someone I, I don't you know I, it's not a a decision taken lightly certainly by any democratic government but it's one of the options in these secret, wars. After all, it's not a declared war with armies between Iran and Israel, or between Iran and the United States, but uh, it's a shadow war in both cases.
2: We can obviously put the pieces of the puzzle together just thinking about international politics, but is there a particular MO or there particular fingerprints that Mossad leaves behind when they're conducting an operation?
3: Yeah, I, I, I would say that the evidence is circumstantial. Obviously, he was wanted, uh, the Mossad didn't never, never hit the fact that he's wanted, the Israeli intelligence. Uh, the pattern uh, was similar, although you know it's not unique to the Mossad. Uh, the pattern of assassinations are well, known to many in in other in other places including in the underworld and then in the criminal activities and thirdly israel did kill in the past five six scientists between 2010 and 2012 uh so uh, and also there were some little bits of hints coming out of israel and then prior to the to the Prior to the assassination, there was a meeting between Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo. He he was in Israel, and he met with Netanyahu, and he was previously the director of CIA. He's a good friend uh, of Yossi Cohen, the head of Mossad. And I assume there was a preliminary discussion before the assassination with the Americans. Um, otherwise, it would be very, very difficult because of the ramifications. Uh, no one knew what the Iranians would, how they would react, how would they, whether they would retaliate immediately or not. And against soon, they could have already retaliated against the Americans. Uh, the U.S. has a strong presence in the in the Persian Gulf, two bases in Qatar and Bahrain. So all in all. Uh, this, this is the evidence, and it's and Israel is the is the usual suspect.
0: It also, uh, I think, is noteworthy that only recently it was revealed, uh, again with Israel and the United States not confirming this, that at the request of the United States, Israel's spies or agents in Iran uh, assassinated. Uh, A senior man in Al Qaeda, the terrorist group, Abu Muhammad al Masri, uh, was killed in Iran's capital, Tehran, in August. Um, And the New York Times reported that Israel accomplished that at the request of the United States. And so um, attacking Iran, embarrassing or humiliating Iran, uh, striking at terrorist groups in the Middle East. Uh, perhaps even more than ever during the Donald Trump years was something that the United States and Israel would do together. It's an interesting phenomenon because when uh, Israel reputedly staged at least five attacks on Iranian nuclear scientists in Iran, and especially in the year 2011, um, it, it was thought that that was without the United States, Israel acting alone, even though, as Yossi has pointed out, Um, retaliation could be against Americans in Iran and other Persian, against Americans in Iraq and other Persian Gulf countries. Um, Israel was acting alone on its own campaign to discourage uh, Iran's nuclear scientists, uh, to demonstrate what Israeli agents can do. Um, but now the, the coordination, uh, well, it's really unusual, I have to say, the U.S. and Israel, uh, again, circumstantial evidence, but apparently cooperating in this shadow war against Iran.
3: Well, I, I can add to it that uh, I just interviewed the uh, former CIA director, John Brennan, and in the interview, he, he says, and also I talked to Israeli uh, senior Mossad, uh, Officials before the interview, and they told me that the level of cooperation between United intelligence communities of Israel and and in the United States has never been higher, more, more clo- uh, closer than than ever. So, um, so it, it, you, you can you can assume that they that they are. The United States and, and Israel are privy to the most most of the secrets at least uh, in the Middle East, intelligence secrets in the Middle East, and they cooperate and and uh, and consult with each other. N- not to mention that uh, th- th- there are differences, as 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 uh, Dan uh, pointed out. The United States is ready to kill terrorists, which is also a change of policy since 9/11. That wasn't the case before 9-11, uh, but they are very reluctant. The United States is very reluctant or even is avoiding to kill officials, state officials. And Suleimani was a general, so he was kind of a state official, and yet Trump ordered his killing. Um, Fakhir Zadeh was or, uh, a state official. He was a Brigadier General uh, with, the, uh, with, with the title of the Deputy Defense Minister. So that's, it, that's the only difference. Israel is, has, doesn't hesitate to kill both terrorists and officials of, of, of the enemy if, if they are involved in actions and activities which Israel perceives as hostile or threatening its existence.
0: Yossi, I noticed that you—Yossi, I noticed that you recently, as you say, interviewed John Brennan, um, who uh, not only is a former CIA director and was a senior advisor uh, to President Barack Obama, uh, but of course he served governments of, of both sides. But during the Trump years, Brennan became a very open critic of President Trump. And so, in general, Brennan is seen here in the U.S. as being, well, with the Democrats, with the liberals, in general. So I was struck in your interview that when Brennan was critical of assassinating a foreign government official and how that, in effect, breaks the rules, and he said, would you want Russia and China to do that in the United States and target U.S. government officials? And I had this notion like it breaks the standards, breaks the rules of the spy game. Um, It made me wonder, with Joe Biden becoming president of the United States, whether that'll be the new attitude. Uh, and, and Yossi, as you sit in Israel, and you're in touch with Israeli officials and spy masters, they also must be wondering whether Biden as president and the Democrats in charge might even affect the cooperation with Israel and the Mossad. Um,
3: I don't think so. I think the Biden, look, Biden doesn't doesn't shed tears about the killing of Fakhir Rade, he doesn't. I, 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 I'm sure about it. Uh, neither his uh, aides and staff and and and, and team. He would be more careful. Obviously, uh, he would try to to tell Israel and uh, and via the intelligence community, the Mossad and the military intelligence. You have to take into consideration more. American interests, what would be the results and ramifications if you act unilaterally? That would be kind of a warning. And I think Israel would listen. I mean, for Israel, the most important asset is the United States. It's not killing Iranians in the streets of Tehran. And by the way, Israel is using uh, assassination as a last resort, really as a last resort. I mean, there is this common notion that the Mossad is a murder incorporated left and right. They're killing left and right. No. it's. I mean, I I don't know the exact numbers of how many uh, people were killed outside the borders of Israel by the Mossad, which is the Mossad is a foreign intelligence agency operates only outside Israeli borders, not even the occupied uh, West Bank. And, and and in gaza ruled by hamas so you know it's it's very measured it's it's the numbers are very few therefore israel would be maybe now when if biden once biden enters the right, white house more careful about it but still i don't think it would be the end of of the game and one more point final one regarding this 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 aspect uh, Even when Mossad are organizing, planning, and executing an assassination attempt on Iranian targets, they know that sooner or later they would find someone else who would replace whoever is is the target. So they know it's a short-lived operation aiming to slow down in the case of, of the nuclear program, to slow it down, to delay, to sabotage it. But they know it would not stop their aspiration to have a nuclear program.
2: So, so there's there's two relationships there that I would like to explore a little bit more. So Israel and Iran, which is obviously an adversary, and Israel and the United States, which which is an ally. Could you tell us what the the nature of the Israeli American relationship is?
0: Well, about the FBI and Israel's domestic security agency, Shin Bet, in some ways equivalent, uh, though, frankly, Shin Bet, the security agency in Israel, um, seems to me far more active, um, including uh, keeping an eye, uh, of course, uh, for uh, foreign spies, uh, for Arab terrorists, including Palestinians, um, and, and for subversive activities. Uh, occasionally by Jewish citizens of Israel. Uh, Three quarters of Israel's, almost 10 million people are Jewish. It's thought of as the Jewish state. But there are a lot of political opinions, including extremists on one side or the other, including extremists who want to keep the captured West Bank forever. Um, And so these are all of the duties of of, of Shin Bet. So do Shin Bet and and the FBI sometimes have to work together? Oh, it's a matter of uh, international cases, Uh, that involved terrorism, that involved financial crime, sure. But it's worth mentioning that many, many officials of the FBI for decades feel that Israel has been spying on the United States. Of course, they point at the famous case of Jonathan Pollard, an American who worked for U.S. Naval Intelligence and was caught in Washington in 1985 spying for Israel. Uh, And there are still FBI officials who assume that Israel is doing that, even though Israel has publicly said it was a mistake, it regrets it and would never do it again. So I think there's some uh, suspicion. So I think there's still an atmosphere of suspicion that many in the FBI feel toward Israel, though, because the countries are allies, of course, they work together. Um, I don't think the Mossad and the CIA have that problem there. It's the fact that the two countries, with the United States being immense, more than 300 million people, and Israel fewer than 10 million, have such different interests. But uh, as we've said, they've, they've cooperated a lot in recent years.
3: Uh, yeah, I agree with Dan, and uh, the FBI is most suspicious because it's also an agency um, in charge of counter espionage. So they, and since Israel had such a long history, the Polar case, unlike what the Israeli government said at the time that it was a renegade operation, it was part of an ongoing operation since 48, 49, 50. And in our book, we we talk about it uh, extensively, that it all, there were many, many incidents in which mainly on, technological scientific espionage, but there were cases in which Israelis tried and succeeded to steal from America uranium, uh, data, know-how, military equipment or uh, blueprints for military equipment. So the FBI was highly suspicious and they got the ultimate evidence with the arrest of Polar. Uh, but but I believe that since then, things have changed. I, I don't believe that since 1985, Israel has ever spied on uh, on American soil. I think that's the last thing that they would do. And the relations between the FBI and, and Shin Bet are, are not bad at all. There is even a, a representative, a liaison officer, in both, uh, in both uh, places. So there is a cooperation between the two countries and there is a Shin Bet Liaison in, in Washington, D.C.
2: We'll be right back after this.
1: And now a word from our sponsor Zscaler, the leader in cloud security Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.
2: So, for example, Mossad and the CIA have a, a close working relationship and the CIA and MI6 have a close working relationship. To what extent does that circle ever get completed?
0: Andrew, that's the kind of thing that actually can fluctuate over the years. Uh, Shortly after World War II, when there was a sense in Western countries uh, that the Soviet Union, Russia was an enemy and worldwide communism was an enemy. uh, Very intense cooperation by intelligence agencies um, was part of the same process that created the NATO alliance. And so it was totally normal for there to be meetings that would include the CIA, also the British, MI6 or Secret Intelligence Service, uh, the French. uh, Over the years, the West Germans, later Germans, Australia, New Zealand would be involved. Uh, So Israel was not in that group. Israel was small uh, early on, just after World War II and in the 1950s. Uh, many Western countries weren't sure about Israel what side is Israel on is it kind of a socialist country uh, but over the years certainly Israel has proved uh, its value first of all it's it its talent and strength in the fields of intelligence gathering information and also operations also Israel has proved that it is a western country in its politics and outlook and and so I think that Israel does have, the same allies as the United States. But again, because Israel has different interests, Israel has a very complex set of uh, connections, even in what we would think of as enemy countries. In the past few years, it's now an well, almost an open secret that Saudi Arabia and Israel have had meetings, apparently including the highest government officials in secret, but certainly the Mossad, and the intelligence uh, chiefs of Saudi Arabia, of other Arab and Muslim countries, uh, Indonesia, a massive Muslim country, had a lot of relations with Israel. By the way, the Mossad has traditionally acted as an alternative foreign ministry. And so if there would be nations, and there were many, that refused to open embassies in Israel, refused to have open relations with the state of Israel, um, the Mossad would, would be the secret diplomats. There's very little of that that the CIA has ever had to do.
2: Just to clarify, in Israel, you don't have political appointees heading up the intelligence agencies, is that correct?
3: Yes, it is correct. The, 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 the heads of the intelligence community, the, uh, the Shin Bet and Mossad, they report to the prime minister. The head of the, the chief of the military intelligence reports to the chief of staff and threw him to the defense minister. Uh, so the head of military intelligence is a a military officer, is a military general, the head of Shabak and the head of Mossad are civilians. uh, And they report to the prime minister. They are appointed by the prime minister, but have to end by the defense minister if it's the military intelligence. But they have to be confirmed by the government, by the cabinet.
2: And, and just to clarify, there's no there's no equivalent of the ODNI like there is in the United States. There's no kind of uh, meta agency that's that's in charge of all of these intelligence agencies. Is that correct?
3: Yes, there is no. I mean, the the agency have been reformed and changed. According to the environment, you know, demands, requests, uh, necessities, but they they remain the same old solid agency. There were not many changes in, the, in that mm-hmm. sense. There were have been technological changes in, inside each agency, but that's all. And
2: let, let's pivot to the shadow war that Dan referred to. Are, um, for example, are Israeli nuclear scientists looking over their shoulder? Um, what's what what's kind of going on with that cat and mouse relationship between Israel and Iran in terms of the shadow war?
3: Uh, Andrew, it's a good question. Yes, they. Uh, uh the israeli uh israeli bureau of uh, of anti terrorism is issuing from time to time uh, travel bans or warnings um and there have been in the past uh, public warnings but also uh, messages were conveyed privately that scientists working for the israeli atomic energy commission um have been uh, warned that the iranians are trying to target them so be careful if you travel abroad be you know exercise extra caution um and 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 be prepared for the worse and uh um iran has been threatening is to to retaliate israel after almost each operation in in which uh scientists or even terrorists have been uh, uh, assassinated Uh, and it doesn't matter if they were senior or or junior officers and israeli and iran is has been threatening to target israeli embassies and they and in in some cases they succeeded so retaliation is part of the and revenge the iranians are using the word revenge too often so it's part of the shadow war yes it is
2: how does israeli intelligence manage to operate in a country like iran that a lot of other intelligence agencies struggle to to to, to
0: gain any traction in? well when we uh, wrote about when we wrote about Israeli intelligence um, as uh, as early as the late '80s, when Yossi and I started writing books together, so in uh, *Spies Against Armageddon* is our most recent, but in *Every Spy a Prince*, uh, you know, way back in 1990, uh, we we already pointed out that one of the strengths of Israel's intelligence community is linguistic skills, having many immigrants to Israel, basically Jews who moved. Uh, from Arab countries, and from Iran, and and frankly, from many countries all around the world, but uh, especially Middle Eastern countries. And so there there are Israeli citizens uh, whose families speak these languages, um, uh, have kept many of the uh, cultural habits of those countries. Obviously, as the years have gone by, uh, and and Israel— uh, is now uh, more than 70 years old. The country was created in 1948. Uh, that starts to fade, but you can revive it. There are Israelis who are familiar with the cultures of those countries, and that helps. That, that helps you penetrate those countries. Uh, if there are lots of people in Israel who have lived in Iran, or parents were, uh, were living there until they moved to Israel, uh, the language Persian or Farsi, uh, you know, you sort of uh, sharpen it if necessary. On the other hand, maybe I don't want to emphasize that too much, because uh, like other intelligence uh, agencies, uh, the Mossad um, is very good at languages and that you could be someone born in Egypt, and they would teach you the Syrian accent of Arabic, or maybe even teach you Farsi, the, the Persian language. And so with time, you know, you will be able to penetrate Iran, but, but still that is a help. Um, Also, frankly, Israel's capability to monitor the other countries in the Middle East, to listen to, of course, the radio stations and the TV, but also many phone conversations of the military and of government uh, chiefs uh, all over the region. This is something that the Israelis were good at early on. Um, We know, and Israel would never admit this, that they actually send spies into foreign countries to install recording devices in buildings, in embassies, in telephone exchanges, uh, at intersections, in Arab countries, you know, and then return to Israel secretly. So again, the monitoring is not just acquiring information, but also acquiring the latest about the culture in that country. So uh, how to behave, uh, what towns and villages could be vulnerable, uh, where you could possibly blackmail someone in order to to help you in some ways. And the Israelis are just so very skilled at many of these tools and capabilities. Iran is no exception. And one way that that this capability was highlighted in public was, was just over two years ago in 2018, uh, when Prime Minister Netanyahu decided to have a press conference in, in Israel with slides and props showing that the Mossad had stolen a giant nuclear archive from a warehouse in Tehran. This had, to, this had to involve many, many agents and transportation and trucks, and getting, frankly, tons of material uh, out of Iran and across the border to one of the neighboring countries and then to Israel. Again, they didn't say exactly how they did it, but just the fact that Israel was able to do it um, was a stunning reminder that israel is able to operate in that enemy country iran Uh,
3: israel the Mossad is recruiting also uh, agents foreign agents what the cia calls foreign assets so you also use them you recruit agents for whatever i mean they are ready to cooperate and work with you for whatever reason money ideology, uh, hatred of the of the other um, jealousy, whatever, uh, for all the reasons that the intelligence or agencies are uh, manipulating or or using. And that also helps. Uh, so it, uh, I mean, to the credit of Israeli intelligence, I would say that to operate in Iran, it's even harder than for the mi6 or the cia uh, the mi6 is considered to be or the british are considered to be rivalries i wouldn't say they are enemies of iran if you ask iranian officials they would say maybe now we are in confrontation but basically there is no uh, there is some historical background of, of of you know hatred between iran and britain or america but America was and, and British and Britain was were allies of Iran until the uh, Khomeini came to power in, in 1979. Before the Islamic, after the Islamic Revolution, so it's even harder for Israel to penetrate Iran. And still, Israeli is doing it time and again. It shows also that 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 it you know we're talking about intelligence and about. Uh, uh, collecting information, but there is also a psychological effect to it. Think about the impact, which such a penetration, uh, is, uh, uh, is, is creating among the leaders of Iran. I mean, the, the Supreme leader and his aides are thinking, Oh my God, the Israelis can, can, can reach any one of us if they kill the, uh, Fakhri Zadeh, or if the Americans kill Soleimani, anyone can be a target, and it creates a havoc in the leadership. And they, after each such a assassination or target or, or targeted killing or 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 bombing operation, um, the Iranians are chasing, uh, looking for traitors who helped us and. Uh, There is a psychological, it's a demoralizing effect when you conduct an operation in Iran successfully. Judging from past uh, uh, precedents, the Iranians were not successful in penetrating Israel. There were a few spies, little, you know, small fish caught in Israel, sent on mission by the Iranian intelligence. Um, I think it's a problem of, of dictatorships they are most concerned about their own um, domestic affairs chasing dissidents political enemies their political enemies and less and they try less to focus on foreign operations now the iranians are are, are, have tried, as, as, as we said before, to target Israeli embassies, Israeli diplomats, but outside the Israeli borders. It's very difficult for them to penetrate Israel because they don't know the language, because they don't, they, they don't know the culture or know less than Israel knows Iranian culture. So yes, they are chasing, uh, they are trying to, to operate in Israel. Sometimes they're using proxies like
0: Hezbollah in Lebanon. An example that comes to mind would be the, the two bombings in Argentina, the capital of Buenos Aires. In 1992, um, the Israeli embassy was targeted, and in 1994, the Jewish community center. Um, and in those attacks, in total, more than uh, 110 people were killed. And, and investigations have shown that Iran was involved, That the Lebanese Hezbollah was involved, uh, that their paid agents in South America were activated. Uh, And so, years after some event that Iran gets angry about, years later, there might be an action by Iranian agents anywhere on earth, and they'll say it was revenge. But you asked about penetrating Israel. uh, As we see, both Iran and Hezbollah haven't been very. penetrating iran
2: and one of the things that i find interesting is is there a specific israeli intelligence culture so for example like compared to an american intelligence culture or a british intelligence culture is there a is there a certain way that israel
3: does intelligence i i would say that it's yes there is israel uh the israeli intelligence is more daring is 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 ready to take more risks unlike the the, MI, the mi6 or cia um um it's a result of the circumstances of 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 the geostrategic uh, posture of israel in the middle east we have we have been surrounded by enemies until 70 seven when he when president anwar assad came to jerusalem and later on two years later signed the peace treaty with with israel and the camp david uh, the camp david agreement uh, on the white house loans and and then another country signed a peace treaty with israel jordan which is a a very very good ally of israel strategically um And the Jordanians depend on Israel to to a degree, and there is a good cooperation between the intelligence services of Israel, Egypt, and Jordan. Uh, But being surrounded by enemies, uh, Israel had to develop, uh, to be more motivated. uh, Because the, the, the threat was bigger, and the feeling that it's, that almost every, Everything is existential. It's a threat to the very existence of Israel. So that's, that's the Israeli culture. They, but there are also weaknesses in, in the Israeli intelligence culture. It's the, it's the approach that we know better, not to mention arrogance, arrogancy. Uh, so it, I, I would say that Israeli intelligence is among the top five best agencies, intelligence agencies in the world.
2: I mean, I think it's extraordinary that people all over the world know of these names, but if you just look at uh, Israel in terms of population, it's it's very small. But I guess what you're saying, Yossi, is that this skill set has, has almost had to develop by necessity because of the geopolitical situation that Israel finds itself in. Yes,
3: and also what Dan just said that it's an immigra- israel has been in a society of immigrants and absorbed a lot of people from more than 100 countries from afghanistan to the, to the united states from iran to the soviet union russia so it helps you know it helps to cultivate um, a culture of skillful intelligence operatives and also uh, Analysts, researchers
2: and, and, and have um, has that ever posed a counterintelligence or counter espionage problem for Israel having immigrants coming from all of these different countries?
3: Well uh, actually the, the, the at least if you judge uh, based on past on the past on precedent, the, the, the biggest threat uh, or the biggest counterintelligence challenge for Israel was from the Soviet Union. Because the Soviet Union, the KGB was a, a, good, a, a good espionage agency. Unlike the Israeli neighbors, the Arab countries, they, they were weak. So yes, Israel has been, has been penetrated throughout the years with spies mainly originating in the Soviet Union. And some of them, I know about the cases that were exposed. Those spies were arrested and exposed and sent to jail. And we don't know what we don't know. And I assume there were more spies which we didn't, uh, that Israel didn't find out about them. Uh, So yes, there were spies in the Shin Bet, among the ranks of Shin Bet, there were spies in the ranks of Mossad. Very few, very rarely, because Israel is a very homogeneous society and people, there is a sense of kinship between the people, although it is disintegrating in the last few years, this camaraderie between people um but still israel is is a society which is difficult to penetrate there is a great uh deal of feeling that we are under threat and we should be together and therefore it's it's very difficult to penetrate israel but it did happen um china is also challenging israel but not by using human, human intelligence, you mean mostly technological uh, espionage or thievery, if you wish.
2: So we hear here in the United States a lot of discussion about Chinese espionage and stealing technological secrets to uh, to spawn off copycat technologies back home. Is Is that happening in Israel? Because I know Israel has a very developed technology scene.
0: Well, just about everybody knows that uh, Israel is very good at technology, has achieved a lot of breakthroughs. Uh, Its scientists win international prizes. Uh, Israeli startup companies are leaders in technology. Uh, Even with the recent trend, the breakthroughs in Israel achieving open, even friendly relations with Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates, um, there's a lot there. And if you are uh, a competitor of Israel or an enemy of Israel, uh, certainly you want to know what it is that Israeli industry and the Israeli military um, and its defense industries have come up with in recent years, including commerce um, and uh, you know some other countries' military interests would want to spy on Israel that doesn't require having clever agents within the borders of Israel. Um, Again, a lot of that penetration can be done electronically from overseas. There is an active cyber war in which Israel's enemies, of course, would try to shut down uh, Israeli utilities, such as the power and the water systems, or be ready to do that. Um, and, And Israel has a very good reputation at being good also at cyber defense. So I would say that when it comes to the modern means of warfare, no soldiers and maybe no spies on the ground, Israel is definitely in the middle of that new kind of war. Uh,
3: yes, and uh, but still the Chinese uh, managed at, uh, in the past to, uh, to infiltrate some major Israeli military industries. Uh, there were reports that they um they they that they stole uh, know-how drawings uh information from arms manufacturers and uh it's ongoing war the cyber warfare which israel has done pointed out is very good both uh, offensively and defensively is also you know in that war, Israel is a target, and in some cases, the Chinese uh, succeeded. It's interesting also to uh, to uh, to note that uh, the Chinese are not just spying on Israel as a, as a you know as a final destination. They also spy on is- uh, on Israel because they know Israel is a very good friend of the United States. And because of these uh, very close relations, technological exchange, uh, military uh, armaments, and and, uh, Israel buys from the United States most of its sophisticated weapons, including uh, mainly airplanes, but not only airplanes. Um, So the Chinese also have targeted Israel as a backdoor, as a back channel to penetrate the United States.
2: I think that this is a good point, Yossi, because we're so we're so used to thinking about some of the the daring operations, the the things that involve human or intelligence operatives on the ground. So, but I wondered if you could, you know, retool our listeners to think about Israeli intelligence in the twenty first century. What are some of those cyber capabilities? What are some of the the kind of things that Israel is doing to start thinking about the future of intelligence?
3: Uh, Well, you know, until 20 years ago, or around, um, the number of people working in the Mossad, stuff, were maybe 3,000. Since then, it's it's doubled and probably more. (laughs) Now, the budget has been expanded, and the number of buildings at Mossad headquarters have, uh, has mush- uh, mushroomed. And mostly of the new recruits and mostly of the new buildings have been built and recruited because they need to improve the cyber capabilities the technological capabilities of Mossad and also of military intelligence. So uh, in in a sense, Israel, uh, or the Mossad, which excelled on being a human human intelligence-based agency is becoming more and more technological. It's not unique to Israel, but, but you rely more and more on signal intelligence, on cyber, cyber warfare and and the human intelligence is i'm not saying it has been dwarfed but it is now secondary to the to the importance of techno of technology and the many veterans of the intelligence community of the mossad are you know are complaining about this not to mention that the mossad was a very family-oriented if you have very few, I mean, a small number of employees, everyone knows each other. Now, with seven thousand or more, uh, someone told me that during break time, uh, during lunchtime, time, the 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 uh, uh, the dining rooms at the Mossad uh, reminded him of the of Japanese crashing on the doors in Tokyo of the of the subway <laughs> they are rushing it, so it it means that you know people are a lot of people there and they don't know each other and they are strange to each other it's good and bad but that's the reality
2: has this changed the types of recruits that israeli intelligence is looking for um
3: it, yes it, it in a sense it has changed if you look at the ads the mossad has now a website Mainly, it's a website to recruit uh, manpower. If you look at the website, you will see that th- there is a greater demand for uh, technological professions. Uh, but still, there is a re- there are ads for analysts, researchers, and case officers.
0: I'd have to note that. Uh... Then One thing that hasn't changed is, is that Israeli intelligence apparently is looking for a high degree of patriotism, uh, that you're very motivated to help your country. Yes, you want adventure, you want a challenge, and the Mossad website uh, does talk about uh, that as one of the things you might want to do, but you won't be accepted. Uh, uh unless uh the Mossad feels that you're that, that you're patriotic and hardworking. A lot of that uh is demonstrated in military service. Because keep in mind that military service is almost universal in Israel. Uh men generally go for three years of service and maybe stay longer. Uh, women go for two years. Um, there are ways of getting out of it if you're not you know, if you totally don't want to do that. uh, But but if you do, you're probably going to prove your skills while in the military, including in the military intelligence unit known as 8200, and there are other more specialist units of, of cyber warfare and communications. And so you'll show your skills, but you also might be an elite soldier in an elite unit of the Israel Defense Forces. And because you also show yourself to be um, very intelligent and innovative, always thinking of alternative ways of getting things done, thinking outside the box, um, So you might be an elite soldier in the army and then be approached uh, by the intelligence community and recruited by the Mossad. Uh, you know, Yossi was, uh, I, I would say, the driving force behind a series you can see on Netflix called Inside the Mossad. And a lot of those old timers talk about how they were recruited and who, who they and their colleagues were, uh, I don't think that's changed completely. In, in that, that's still what Israeli intelligence is looking for: motivated people who think outside the box. And well, frankly, one of the slogans I certainly heard from Israeli veterans of intelligence was, "Nothing is impossible." Uh, that's the way they want to think. Um, y- yes, th-
3: this is uh, this is true. Um the recruit although the recruitment uh um the recruitment process is is now much more uh, professional uh psychologists and uh, and tests and uh, and and personal evaluation <laughs> i can i can tell you a funny anecdote one of the uh, our legendary spies of Israel, a guy called Rafi Eitan. By the way, he was the guy who ran Pollard. He just passed away a year ago or two years ago. <laughs> I asked him, how did you, how were you recruited? And he said, I met the uh, the head of the intelligence service, the head of Mossad, the first uh, or the second head of Mossad, Isar Aruel. Uh, 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 called me we had uh, we had known each other from from our neighborhood which is a sm- was a small rural community and he said do you want to work for the mossad and the other guy said yes i do he said what can you do uh, what are your skills he said test me try me and he said okay i'm now uh, uh, they they went downstairs he said he said do you see now the third the third floor if this building can you get there he said sure and he got there how did you get there he climbed he climbed the windows i mean it was it will not happen now so you know everything has been changed modernized but still i noticed uh two 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 funny uh uh, ads in in the uh, in the Mossad website. One uh, cooks were are wanted. Well, you know it was Napoleon who said about something about you know uh, that the army walks on its uh, stomach, on its foot, uh, needs food. And the other was that they, the Mossad was looking for a tailor.
2: L- Listeners can view inside the Mossad on Netflix just now, right?
0: Well, look for Inside the Mossad. That's on Netflix, great documentary series. Yossi was very much behind that. I'm actually going to recommend a a fictional series that's on Apple Plus TV called Tehran. I think it at least gives you a sense of of combining human, human intelligence and the technological capabilities. A female Israeli hacker is sent into Iran by the Mossad. And so it combines a lot there, including language skills, Uh, And and that's the realistic part of the very fictional story. Um, And of course, I recommend our books. Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) Thanks for your time. Thanks for your
2: expertise. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, thank you. Thank, Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. The International Spy Museum is a full 501c3 nonprofit. If you want to donate to the museum, or if you're local and would like to volunteer at the museum, Please visit our website spymuseum.org for more information.
0: Hi everybody, it's Maria Varmaza's here, your host over at T-Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans too. We here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us.